Hey everybody, this is the Classic Gaming Podcast, I'm Robert Reed. Today's date is August 16th, 2017, this is episode number 88, and with me is Mr. Jay Totoro. Hello, hello. We are recording this episode a few days earlier than usual, because I'm going to be out of town this weekend, so if we miss any like big gigantic news like obvious news things that come up like tomorrow like uh like nintendo cancels all the snes classics uh or like nintendo announces a virtual boy classic please please don't put that negativity in the air if we don't talk about that and that's why one of those things probably gonna happen now that's it that's funny um because it's big is that what you said big hat uh what's up with you jay not a whole lot. Uh, like I said, took today off. Just relaxing. Uh huh. Just, you? Just relax. Uh, same. Pretty well. No, I'm sorry. I didn't take the day off. I didn't. I haven't done much work today. I've been like out and around, just like doing various things. So, uh, how about that StarCraft remastered? Yeah. Have you played it all yet? Mm-hmm. Yep. You you played? I haven't actually played. It. I've only watched a lot. Uh, I I played the uh, remastered one because they gave away the original one for free, obviously. Um, oh yeah, for right. Yeah. you don't. Yeah, so Blizzard released the original Brood War, and it's it's very compatible with the new OSs. It took me maybe three minutes of, of working on it to get it to run. Um, but yeah, you can play the original StarCraft and StarCraft Brood War for free if it's downloaded through the Blizzard app. And then they're selling a remastered version, which is like very, very updated graphics. Um, a couple of things you can change the keybinds, and then some other some other stuff that's really not too important. And it's I think it's like $15, almost $16. Um, I haven't actually bought it yet. I haven't decided if I if I want to actually play it a lot, but I have been watching nonstop. I watched both days of the launch event and then um, a couple other people who've been playing who I haven't seen for a long time. The um the reason you haven't bought it is because you know that if you do the, then you don't have an excuse to not oh, play Jesus. me. <laughs> you really want to do this? <laughs> you really want to do? This? I'm undefeated in Starcraft Brood War against you. Hmm. You want to talk about Tricky Towers? No, or not. <laughs> We're not talking about Turkey Tower. We're talking about StarCraft right now. That's what I thought. But it looks it looks really fun. The viewership was really good for the you know first two days, whatever. It spiked up a lot, which was you know kind of exciting. But you know, it's, it'll it'll die back down, um, and it'll be a very very niche thing, I think. Yeah, it's cool. So they got the uh, um, like what is it called? Like a just like a launch party or <laughs> yeah, they had a launch party hosted by <laughs> Day Nine, um, his brother Artosis, and In Control, who are all. People who don't know very large figures in the community. Um, all of them have played since Brood War. Uh, most of them competed during Brood War. And it, most of them are very entertaining. Um, they're a lot of fun to watch. So it brought yeah. back a lot of uh, early StarCraft II Wings of Liberty memories. Yeah, it was cool listening to him talk. Because uh, like most people, I, I assume probably most people are like me. Uh, most uh, most of the people like watching that are like me. Where like they didn't really start watching competitive StarCraft until StarCraft II. Uh, yeah. Even though the first one had a pretty, you know, uh, you know, a pretty good uh, pr- uh, competitive scene, like it didn't really blow up until StarCraft Two. Well, so, it didn't blow up here. It was well, very okay, big yeah, in yeah, Korea. right, yeah. And so it was Korea cool was to like, hear. It was cool. Did to you listen. see Boxer play? By the way, no, he was on there. He played. Holy shit! Uh, one of the launch events, uh, I think, uh, I believe in Korea, and it was so fun to watch. It Damn. was just like, I bet it was. What? Like he, he's got to be, he's got to be thirty four, thirty five years old now. <laughs> He's Probably. older. He was older at the time. Like, yeah. Because yeah. I remember in StarCraft Two, everybody was like, "He's starting to get old." It's funny, like, it's funny that like, the old for uh, video games is like, or oh, competitive yeah. video games at least is like, you know, thirty. 
I mean, you remember we heard during StarCraft 2 days, 23 was the cutoff for a while there in Korea. If you started to reach 23, they would start to kind of look at you as <laughs> somebody who's deteriorating. <laughs> it's like you're past your prime, kid. Yeah, exactly. So I started to get him in there at like 15, 16. Remember Marine King Prime? Or no. What was, what was the... Was uh, I mean, yeah, I remember him. One. No, um, sorry. The, there was another one with Marine in his name. It's a very, uh, very small in stature. Um, very, very young. I don't remember... I don't remember him. Um, nah, I can't think of it. I remember Lenok, who was nah. he wasn't small, but he was really young. He was like 15 when he was yeah, competing there's in a co- GSL. I'm trying to think of the Zerg player, Korean Zerg player, who was who is I believe still considered to be the best StarCraft two player. He is very he was very very young when he started. I'm not sure who you're talking about. It's been too long. He had wait, he had Marine in his name, and he was a Zerg player. No, sorry, that's, that's oh, this is another people. person. Okay. It wasn't like Dong Grey Goo. Oh, I'm or... sorry. It was it was Mar- it was Maru Maru Prime. Sorry. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, I remember him. Yeah. He's very young. So young is. So yeah, that's uh, been... he's he's 20 now. <laughs> Starcraft is his prime. Seven, eight years ago. He started playing um, about halfway through that. He no, was like no. 14, 15, oh, oh, Starcraft one. Starcraft two. No, Starcraft oh. two didn't come out until like 2010. Uh, he started he, his first televised game when he was 13 years old. <laughs> that's awesome how crazy oh I think it's life I think life is considered to be the best StarCraft 2 player oh okay yeah I haven't kept up with in the past few years so I don't know when I was still watching but I, think, it- I think it's just like all over like that, that's what I should be able to say from start to finish I think he's had one of the if not most successful careers okay anyways so yeah that's been fun to watch yeah I, I've been very uh, I've been sitting on the I'm legitimately sitting on my couch watching hour, hours at a time just enjoying it and it's it's making me like get, get that caster itch again too, which is so funny too oh really I'm is watching it? it yeah I'm like watching and watching them talk about it I'm like no that's not what he's doing he's doing this like what are you guys talking about like I'm like it's so frustrated I'm like come on it's so obvious that's good you know what's also fun on that I won't dwell on this too long but seeing some of like the um the players who were like really fun to watch but like ended up kind of not like doing that well overall Example. and they sort of like fell off like white raw like oh yeah he played oh man he got stopped yeah he did oh did he the one i saw he won yeah. but i think he was playing he, like in control i believe he was yeah he played like g5 i think and he got, okay. he got swept i was taken but yeah it's fun to see some of the ones come back that like were really popular but didn't end up doing very well so they didn't like really stick around for long but everybody like loved them you know it was so cool. That the one thing that was nice about the, about the starting of StarCraft 2 with Wings of Liberty was it kind of rode, it did, it rode the, the coattails of Twitch uh, when Twitch started to become a thing. And it was the first time we got to see all these players. We would get to see the replays. There was no you know professional commentation. There was no UI for, for spectating or anything. So you'd get these VODs of just the games and you'd be like, oh, it's so-and-so. I've watched this guy play so many times. Then you finally get to see them stream and you're like, whoa, like it was... It was so crazy at the time to see all these different players who nobody had ever watched li- play live or yeah. you know, just being able to do that. It's very, very uh, – we're very fortunate to go through to get to experience that. Yeah, it's cool. Back in the now. So the other – speaking of uh, StarCraft, the, other, the only other news item I have is uh, Blizzard. You remember like a few months ago they were like, Battle.net is no more. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love this. And they're changing everything to uh, the Blizzard client. Blizzard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, really enjoying this one because <laughs> I close the Blizzard app um, whenever I'm not using using it just because it starts downloading stuff and it just it's just annoying. So I, I usually close it when I'm not using it. So th- I was like looking for it 
So I remember when they changed it to Battle.net, so I typed in Battle.net. I'm like looking for it on my computer. I'm like, what the hell? So I Googled it, and it's like, sure enough, they updated it called the Blizzard app. I'm like, are you serious? Like, yeah. what are you guys doing? Blizzard app. And then, like, and then even, but then, like, still some things, like, still said Battle.net on yeah. them. And then even in some of their press releases, they still use the term Battle.net. Which yeah, I, don't, I don't know what, uh, what really they're confusing. doing. But, well, what's happened now is they've decided just to go back to Battle.net. Have they really? Yeah. They yeah. had a, they announced, they were like, yeah, uh, we just decided, like, everybody said that they liked Battle.net, and we just decided, we knew, it was like, oh, we knew yeah, it was going to be a really hard process. A <laughs> the first like, time in, in history that Blizzard listens to their, <laughs> their consumer base. And then, so they were just, just like, one time. so we're going to just go back to Battle.net now. Uh, they are so frustrating. I, I am <laughs> going to be in California during the time of BlizzCon this year, and I, I'm not going to actually go to the convention, um, but I have no idea what they're going to announce this year. I, I'm very curious what what actually they can talk about. Probably just, like, new Overwatch characters. Uh, yeah. Probably, I would assume this could be probably be over, Overwatch-related. WoW expansion should be announced, which is no probably. big surprise. No, it is time. It's the end of the thing. I gotta talk about Destiny a lot. Um, Destiny. Yeah, Destiny is coming over to the PC. And oh right, oh, yeah, that's gonna be on the Activision client, isn't it? That's weird. Yep, it already that's, is. It already is. That's so weird. I know. Um, Diablo. I don't even know what what their plan is anymore. Who's Starcraft. Not? I really hope they don't do anything else with Starcraft Two. Star Starcraft Two is in such a poor state right now. No, I, I don't think I don't think they would. Yeah, Legacy of Void I think came out what. Maybe like, a year ago, year and a half ago. No, no, it was like at least two years ago. Was it really? Wow, Legacy of the Void. Yeah, I'll go to see, but I I'll be very surprised if it was after two thousand fifteen November. Yeah. yeah you're right. Okay, so just about two years ago. Yeah. So uh, you know, about time for one of those, but really, I don't think anybody wants it. Well, no, because I don't think they're gonna do any more because they said like, yeah, we're doing three expansions, or yeah, two, that's or true. two two expansions rather, the the the, the original plus two expansions. So yeah, I don't think, I don't think there will be anything StarCraft two related. Maybe they'll have like a StarCraft uh, tournament or something like that. But I don't, I, I'd be surprised if they announced anything. So that means we'll probably talk about WoW. Here's a storm in Overwatch, and yeah. here's a storm. Usually, nobody cares. It's just yeah, there are, yeah, there will be Heroes of the Storm stuff. Yeah, yeah, Heroes of the Storm is a very very casual fun game to play, but I don't really like look forward to updates and news and stuff. Yep. Yeah. Is there any um? Is there anything that's specific to StarCraft 1 and not StarCraft 2 that is in or that's not in uh, Heroes of the Storm yet? Because I could see them like kind of going off the remaster, the launch of StarCraft remaster and be like, oh, now we're adding this guy to the HOTS. I wouldn't be surprised. They've been adding a lot of Warcraft related stuff in the last few characters that I've seen. So I wouldn't be surprised if they cycled through some StarCraft characters. Um, they have Tychus, they have Jim Rainer, they have Kerrigan. So I'm sure they could do... There's a bunch of the other B characters that they could use as well. Some of the villains. They could do a... Uh, like the Firebat, maybe. Because he wasn't in StarCraft 2, oh, right? Yeah. So he was just StarCraft 1? Yeah, they were in StarCraft 2 as a specialty unit. Oh, they're oh, called they? the, the Hellion. Yeah, but it was only for the campaign. And then, oh, okay, okay, okay. And then there were Hellions, which ultimately became Firebats. They could transform... Um, Hellions? Called Hell, Hell, Hellbats? Hellbats, that's what they're called. I don't remember that. Um, Hellions Wait, the, no, the Hellions okay. were like the cars. Correct. They can convert into a humanoid form called <laughs> Oh, oh, that was right. That's right. 
I forgot yeah. about that. That was with one of the. I never ended up playing any of these. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a pretty pretty ridiculous. It was, <laughs> it, it, it was. It was a very smart thing, like in a, in a in a concept, but it just it wasn't very good. Okay. You know they yeah. might. You know, I guess it's possible maybe that they would announce, depending on how well StarCraft StarCraft Remastered is, maybe the Warcraft Three Remastered. Yeah, it was. That's really what I'm hoping. I mean, that'd be the only thing that I would really care about. But I, you know, yeah, I'm not I like a WoW player or anything like that. I think that would probably be the most exciting thing they could talk about for me and a lot of people that I spent time with, just because Warcraft Three is an exceptional game. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm actually going to talk about it a little bit today as well. So, but it is such an exceptional game; it still holds up really well. It's just, yeah, I, I would be very happy with that announcement. Yeah, that would be cool. I think a lot of people. Would be or or Diablo that. too. I mean, you remember that little shitstorm they did with Diablo last year? Uh oh! Where they re-released like Diablo one. Yeah, inside Diablo three for like. Oh, was such a backhanded. That was weird. It was just such a ridiculous thing to do. It was like, what the hell are you guys doing? Yeah, a lot of people would, would love that too. I'm not really a Diablo guy, but I know that would please yeah, many, same. many people. Yeah, people waiting for that since it originally came out. Yeah. Because I think right now, if I'm not mistaken, they don't. I think you have to Hamachi or Game Ranger that they don't offer a service for it anymore. I could um, be wrong. To play with other people. On what? Diablo 2? I, I thought you had to use Game Ranger or Hamachi for it. I could be no, wrong. No, remember we did it. You, you mean Blake? Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Did we do that through Battle.net? Yeah. Okay. It still works. Uh, that's all I got for news. Were you talking about some sure. games with a Z? I'll, 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 I'll leave this one. Since we've been, I don't, you know, since we've been talking about so many Blizzard games, let's get away. Let's get off topic here and okay. talk about uh, Warcraft 3. <laughs> oh, no. I, I I'm just played... Oh, go ahead. No, I, I played two games. So I, I uh, after your little discussion, your last little discussion of Warhammer, um, I had to do it. There was just oh, no nice. way I could, okay. I could put it off any longer. So uh, Robert talked about this last week, but I wanted to talk about this and Warcraft 3 as I played both of these games back to back. I was actually alternating between these two for, <laughs> for a couple of free days. So uh, War, Warhammer 40k Dawn of War. Um, this is the RTS. There is an expansion that I keep coming across. And it's really annoying. It's not good, or at least I didn't think it was. It's like this, here it is, Soulstorm is what it's called. It's an expansion to Warhammer uh, Dawn of War 40K, but it's like a turn-based strategy game from Weird. what I gather from it. And it, I keep running into it. And it, it's like I was trying to find just Warhammer 40K Dawn of War because this is the game that I played. A anyways, it's it, a little bit of a struggle. Um, but this game came out, what does it come out? 2004 in North America uh, in September. And this is an RTS. Robert touched on it a lot. This RTS has a lot of very unique elements to it, and their resources are extremely unique. So I did some skirmish games, and the AI is pretty okay. They're not they're nothing amazing. Um, and then I also played through the first um, segment of the campaign. Um, so in the campaign, you play as the humans. I read a little bit about the story. I kind of followed it during the game. Didn't really get attached to it. It didn't didn't catch me um, mm -hmm. in any way. Um, but the gameplay is super good. So the game has the the basic RTS elements of you construct a base, um, you use resources to build uh, production facilities, you then build an army, and you attack your opponent. There are um, the the units you build though are called squads, and so when you construct a squad, it consists of four uh, infantry units. Uh, these are the the first tier units. 
and they can go up, you can purchase additional units to join that squad. And so what you do is you click on the squad and you queue up building another guy. And so that squad is, is using a resource to build an additional unit. So it becomes five, six, seven, eight. Um, and then there's upgrades later on. So you can get up to 10, I believe. So you can build multiple squads and then upgrade them individually. So one squad you could give a bunch of rocketeers to, one you could give flamethrowers to, one you could give lasers, you could mix them all up, however you want to do it. Obviously, each type of weapon is better against certain things, missiles against buildings and vehicles. Uh, the flames are very good for melee-type units, and the lasers are extremely accurate but do less damage and have a very good range. Uh, the one that I liked the most was the chain cannon. This was super fun. Um, so you can outfit, I believe you can outfit two of your guys with special weapons in one squad and then later on four. So six of the guys of a 10 man squad are regular and then four of them could have these specialty chain gun rocket flamethrower laser cannon type weapons. The chain cannon is hilarious. So it's this big gun. It's like half the size of their body and it's just got this ammo chain draping down from it and they when they walk into Comet, they pause for a second and you get this like little bar underneath them that tells you that they're kind of getting set up. They position the gun and then they just unload and they just shoot until something is dead. And it does, for infantry and any anything that is light armor just gets dismantled. Heavier units like buildings die relatively quick actually and then tanks who are considered heavy armor uh, take pretty low damage they take a while to kill and so it's very fun when you're playing through the campaign and i played on the hardest difficulty i struggled immensely on numerous levels um but it's very fun to strategize how many squads because you only you can only have a certain number of squads so you have to strategize which uh upgrades you're going to get for the squads because you don't want to overlap too much yeah the Maybe unit cap is the unit cap is really low isn't it yeah i think in the early levels it's like I think you have like a uh, 20 and that includes workers and squads. I think count as four, I want to say. So you could probably have most levels I played early on. I think you'd have four or five squads. And then later on the squads, um, you can get a couple additional ones. Now jumping back resources. So most RTSs, age of empires, you're collecting resources like rock, stone, gold. You're bringing it in. You're building stuff. Starcraft, you have Vespian gas minerals. You're mining this game is really cool it has this resource um do you know what it's called actually Re the name. Uh, requisition requisition and so you obtain requisition by capturing objective points and holding them and the objective points uh, essentially it will take a squad's action until it's captured so they walk over to it they plant this flag that represents your school your your side and then they sit there and they capture it for maybe like 15 20 seconds and then it's yours the enemy can come over and uh, remove your flag from it and then capture their own. It takes like five seconds to remove a flag, but 20 to plant them for some reason. So uh, it's very yeah, easy it to go around and just kind of, yeah, you can go around and just snipe them. Additionally, your builders uh, can build these structures on top of it that help generate extra acquisition. And then the secondary resource you have is power, which is generated by building uh, power, what are they called? Power plants? Power uh, plants. Like generators. Yeah. Think, right? And those cost requisition. So, uh, early on, the thing you want to do is you want to immediately send your squads out. You want to capture these these uh, objective points, start accruing requisition, upgrade your squads, and then defend them and hold them. And then ultimately, you push beyond that, and you kind of inch your way in. And it's very fun because you're, you're moving forward, you're capturing these points, and as you're capturing these points, you actually feel like you're getting a strong benefit out of it because you're accruing a higher rate of, of requisition. And when you're playing against the AI on harder difficulty, they use the mechanics of the maps very well. The key one being there are these craters that are everywhere. They're, they're, there's probably like 20 or 30 per map. 
And if your units are in there, they take substantially less damage. And you get this little icon above your squad to let you know that you are within the range of it. It's like this little shield. And if you fight within those craters, it is crazy, man. You, your guys last twice, if not three times as long. Oh, I never noticed that. Yeah. This is, and then the, the thing that comes to do it, so you're, the main bad guy early on is the orcs, and later on becomes the, the Chaos uh, Space Marines. And the orcs have a lot of really, really powerful uh, melee-type units. So what the AI will do is they will throw some grenades or something, they'll fire some shots off, and then they'll dive into the crater with you and just melee you to death. And the melee scenes are so cool. Graphics, obviously, are relatively dated. We're talking 13 years ago. But you're watching like these, these space marines will like take these swords that have chainsaw blades on them, and they just like drive it into them, and the orcs like fall over on their back. And this is this mm. is... Not just a one-on-one. -on -one. This is like 20 units fighting against 20 units. And the orcs, um, in each squad, you can you can uh, acquire a leader for it. And they're like the super, they're like super powerful. Each one of your squads and each one of their squads can have one of these lieutenants. And they are badasses, especially the orc ones. They have these really ridiculous names that consist of mostly consonants and no vowels. And they, <laughs> yeah, that's right. They're just ridiculous. And there's these <laughs> towering giants. And they walk up and they'll just like pick your units up and throw them on the ground. And they'll stomp on the ground and knock everybody down and stun them. And then they'll just start tearing ass into people. Those, animations, so cool. those animations are really cool. Are they like... Speci you specifically see them like doing something to one specific character? Exactly. Yeah. And what's cool is like it's kind of epic at this point because there's all this stuff going on. So you're like, oh, I want, I want to watch this guy get hit with the chainsaw. And you're like, oh, shit, I want to watch this orc kill this guy. <laughs> you're like, oh, I need a macro and I need to keep keep winning the game. And so it, it becomes really, really fun. And so this is that is the generic essence of the campaign. Um, as you get higher into it, you can start getting vehicles. But the squads are what make the game so cool. The resource system of the requisition is super cool because it, it just makes it very strategic. Because it's, if I lose this point and my opponent takes it, I am then at a deficit of requisition. He's acquiring more, so he's going to be able to build a bigger army. My army is going to be weaker, and ultimately I'll probably lose. There's not a whole yeah. lot of micro in the game that I saw other than the on-use items. Some of your units, you can uh, get upgrades like grenades. They will throw a grenade. It'll stun everybody and do some damage. It can hurt you as well, so kind of frustrating. Uh, but there's those are the kind of like the little intricate micros that I saw. And then obviously when your squads get low, pull them back, even if it's like one guy left, and just start queuing up to replace those guys that died. So have, having to build a whole other squad is very expensive. Um, you know, being very, very uh, resource efficient is, is important. That's one thing I ran into. And then uh, there are some buildings you can build that are, are kind of nice, I noticed, um, on the easier versions of, of the uh, campaign like they have missile turrets and landmines early on the AIs, they're so stupid they they just walk over these landmines or they'll just walk by these turrets as they get gunned down but the the or higher level ai will actually avoid the landmines will avoid your turrets as much as possible and they'll actually fight you in your landmines so they'll kill you with with your own landmines which is super funny <laughs> um trying to think well storyline was nothing crazy um yeah yeah trying to think what else was, was really exceptional music's nothing notable sound effects are great it adds to the, the epicness of the battles when you hear the chainsaw, because you actually hear it. You hear the chainsaw as he winds <laughs> it up and then drives it into the guy, which just makes it super cool. Um, obviously, a lot of people know this. Warhammer, I believe, has been around for a very long time. I think the Warhammer concept or series has been around since, I want to say, early 90s? I know uh, it's been around. Before that, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, it but was obviously know. made into a big board game that people play. Um, and, and stuff like that as well. But this game, super fun. If you're looking for a new taste, if you want to play an RTS, but you want something refreshing, something different, this game's great. Um, it's pretty easy to find on. Uh, once you actually 
find it on their website. It's pretty easy to purchase. Um, Wait, where did you find it on what? I think Steam is where I ultimately got it you, from. You couldn't. You had trouble finding it. Yeah, I had a, I had a little bit of trouble because I kept finding that. Uh... Oh, that other one. Are you still there? Uh, yeah. Sorry, I opened Steam and Steam oh. has a few IP <laughs> and disabled my microphone. Um. Yeah, I had a little bit of trouble finding because I kept finding that Oblivion or Soul Steel or whatever it was, the hmm. expansion, and it's not even. I don't know why they call it an expansion. It's a completely different game. Um. When did that one? When did that come out? Uh, Oblivion or whatever it's called. Yeah. Let me see. Hold on. Two thousand eight. But the actual okay. expansion for the game is called Winter Assault. I didn't even know they made one for this. Oh, cool! I'm there are like this. a ton more Warhammer games than I ever realized. Yeah. Oh, the other thing is you, you talked about this a little bit before, but there are a handful of races. I played played the Eldar. Eldar have some really cool voice acting. I love the the stuff that they say, how they say it. Their buildings make very odd sound effects. They, they pretty much play like the Protoss, the ones um, from what from what I gathered so far. Um, and then there's the uh, Chaos Space Marines, which are super fun. And then there's the Orcs. The Orcs just make me laugh. Their 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 shit awesome. is just. I love the names. I love the sound effects they make. Like, oh my god, they're they're just too funny. Yeah. Uh, you know, one thing that I didn't that I forgot to mention last time that I noticed is that like when you're in battles, the battles feel like they have so much more. Uh, like just the like the visual effects and the sound effects, they feel like much more kind of like impactful than in most of their RTSs, where you just have guys yeah. like standing there shooting. And then just, like, kind of, like, dying every now and then. And this one, like, I think one big part of it is that you can see the tracer fire on the, like, yeah, machine gun Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It makes it look and just feel a whole lot better. That that weapon I was talking about, the, the heavy hand, the heavy chain gun or whatever, yeah. that one, one of the things I love about it is is exactly that. When the chain gun starts to go off and, and you're you're firing, you see the bullets. So if you have, like, four or five of them, you just see four, of these, four or five of these chain guns, which are firing, you know, several bullets a second. Are, are just funneling into something and you're just watching its health go down. It's just so cool. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So um, I played this obviously due to Robert talking about it. Really wanted me to, wanted to, I actually will probably play winter assault in the near future. I, I really enjoy playing this game so far. The difficulty was definitely um, good. It's, it's a difficult that when you replay it a couple times, you get through it. It's not a stupid difficult where the, the AI is just has too much stuff or does really gimmicky things or has higher tech than you and, and you, there's no way you can win. It's not like that from what I've experienced so far. It's been uh, strategy. It's been countering pushes. It's making sure to scout the map properly to understand where they're coming from and when. Um, it, it's been a good AI. Um, yeah, so let's jump into Warcraft 3. So I talked about Warcraft 3, I don't know, probably six months, eight months ago uh, for the podcast. Uh, so I wanted to play this again. One of the reasons I actually wanted to play this was the exact reason you brought this up. The fact that Blizzard was doing StarCraft Remastered is giving me a lot of hope that they're going to remake this game. Um, I've obviously, I would say every other podcast, I either talk about Warcraft or I talk about Final Fantasy Tactics. So this is an odd, <laughs> odd podcast. Um, so I played through majority of this game with on the hardest difficulty as well, and it is super fun, but super duper difficult. I have gotten stuck numerous times, and I finally beat the human campaign maybe like two or three days ago. And the last level took me, I don't know, probably like three or four hours and, and maybe like five or six different tries. Is that the it, one where there's like wave after wave of enemies coming after you? So it's it's... The final stand-in with Malganus, he's on the northern side of the map. It's a winter-based 
setting. You're on the southwest corner. You have three possible expansions, and there's two colors coming out, you green and purple. And it took me a while, because what happens is the two different uh, opponents, the, they're the same faction, which is the Forsaken or Undead type, and they will alternate attacks. But Purple's attack, which comes from the east, is not that bad. It's just a little, you'll probably lose some units, um, unless you're very good about micro, uh, which is super crucial in this game. But Green, when he pushes, pushes with a hero NPC called Malganus, who is the villain of the human campaign. Very key character in the story. When he pushes, he is such a pain in the ass to kill, and he does so much damage. He has an ability where he shoots a missile. It's not an actual missile, but just a missile mechanic out in front of him. It's actually like little scarabs. And it does so much damage, and it doesn't stop on impact. So when it hits one guy, and if your army's all lined up, it just drives right through your units. And if a unit has a low, low base health pool, he's dead. If it has a decent pool, he's very, very low. And it's just so frustrating. So you have to burn him as hard as you can. And it, so, so you're basically preparing for his attack. You blow all your mana to kill him because the main character, um, Arthas, has an ability that heals, but will do damage to undead. So you're, you waste all your mana burning him down, and then all of a sudden purple comes, so you defend against purple. Oh, it's green's turn. Okay, here comes green again, and you're, you're alternating back and forth. But you're trying to make progress in between attacks, but you have a limited supply, and it's just very, very difficult. It, ultimately, what I did is I took purple's base, I cleaned that out, but I still almost mined out the map. I almost mined out the Damn. map. Four, four <laughs> gold mines. Four gold <laughs> mines later, I almost mined out the map. I barely beat it, and it was, it was pretty cool. So I'm playing through the Undead campaign, which is very fun so far. This game is 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 one of a kind. There is, I, I just cannot believe how creative Blizzard was at this time with, with this game. This is an RTS, but you have hero characters that level up. So at the beginning of, uh, if you're playing a skirmish type game, you have a hero, and then you start constructing a base. But while your base is constructing, you have this other mechanic where you're taking your hero. You're walking out in the forest. You're finding these neutral uh, NPCs that you can kill for experience. And when you kill them, your character levels up. But then he gets talent points. So then you use those talent points to upgrade certain abilities, and then your character becomes stronger. But, oh, shit, you, while you're fighting an NPC camp, your opponent, who's actually another human, comes and attacks you. So there's, there's this extra mechanic of the, uh, the hero characters that you have that really, really comes into play. And it, it makes so there's very little downtime. And macro, or micro is super important. Macro is not as difficult in this game as I would say a StarCraft-type uh, game. It just Maybe it's just me, but it just doesn't feel like it. Um, I, I just feel like there's a little bit less going on in your base. But again, you have this hero element that has a lot of micro potential to it. And this game has been unbelievably fun again every time i play this game i am impressed with it the storyline is incredible music is great sound effects are funny the animations are sort of cartoony similar to actually um what i look when i look at warhammer that kind of cartoony yeah, yeah. ridiculousness to it uh which from what i have been told there's actually some connections between the two games um in that regard but yeah I, I i cannot talk about i can just can't talk about this game enough. It's so good. It's just super fun. If you have not played Warcraft 3, by all means play. You don't need to play the first two. Um, at least if you want to understand the story, I would do some back reading before you do before you play the third one. But the first and second one, especially the first one, is a rough, rough playthrough. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've only played the third one. Yeah. Third one is, is uh, incredible. What, uh... Did you do much, um... Just like skirmishes, or did you mostly just pay, play the campaign? Most of the campaign, I did a couple skirmishes just to kind of experience it, and it's fun. It, it's really fun. It's exciting because 
there's so much potential in the game because the, the it's not like you get locked into one hero. So there's there's these different types of heroes that you can get, and the each one of them gives you a different play style. The meta in yeah, the I like that. Scene, yeah, it, it just it just creates an almost endless meta. Obviously, towards the end of Warcraft Three, which was a major esport, uh, towards the end of it, people had figured out the meta, and there was a select uh, number of strategies. But for me, somebody who knows very little about the whole meta and the game itself, it's been very exciting to see the different strategies you can come up with with different races, given the different heroes that are available. What uh, I agree with that because the um, like you said, like the heroes, like you, 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 what each race has three, right? Yeah, I think and so. And like you pick one to start off with, and then like a little ways in, you can get another one, and then eventually you can get you can get all three eventually, right? Yeah, I believe so. I know you can at least get two. Um, I didn't really get to the later stages of the uh, to the end game, if you will. So, like, not only do you have the different, like, you can pick a different hero, and that'll give you like a different kind of like opening strategy. Um, but also, when you pick your hero, you also pick like what abilities he starts off, or what ability he starts off with. Uh, right? Yeah, yeah. I think there's. I think each hero has four abilities that you can put. So. Yeah. Every time your champion levels, he gets a point. You can put it into one of those four abilities. The first time you point, put it in that ability, you learn it. And then after that, you start upping the number values. And I think you could put three points uh, a right. maximum right. Uh, in them. And then obviously, like if you if you want to play a Blade Master and you just want to go out and you just max your damaging ability and you know, you're very squishy, but you do a bunch of damage, you could do that. Or if you want to play you know, Arthas and, and focus on having big heals and just a massive uh, retribution, I think it's all retribution or devotion, devotion aura which gives all your units more armor. So you're like, I'm going to build a melee-based army. I'm going to have Arthas have these big heals. And then I'm all, he's also going to provide this aura that gives all my units bonus armor. You could do yeah. that. Like, there's just so much versatility to it. And I love it. I, I, since I've been watching so much Brutor uh, pro play, I'm actually going to start watching uh, Warcraft 3 VODs as well. Just because <laughs> cool. So interesting. I just I just cannot get enough of it. Yeah. RTS itch. It's really fun. And like, the... um as you were saying, like with the different abilities. So you, that like adds another layer of like, you know, having different opening strategies. Cause even if you choose like one guy yeah. um, over another, then like whatever ability you start him off with is going to change also how you, uh, exactly. And like some people even hold their abilities for a lengthy time till they really identify what their opponent is doing or what maybe what they want to do or, you know, whatever it may be. I used to always, whenever I would play as the orcs, I would pick the blade master and yeah. he has, um, for a while, what I was doing was he has the um, one ability where like he makes like a ghost version of himself that it looks. Oh well, yeah, not, yeah. Not, It's like uh, he splits mimic. into like yeah, yeah. It's an illusion. It, yeah, it's, an illusion. it's an illusion. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just an illusion, and it doesn't do any damage. But um, it, like people don't know which one to attack, and so I would pick that one, <clears throat> and then immediately cast it and use the illusion to go like scouting. That's and, funny. And then, but then what I realized was that the Blade Master obviously is just like uh, designed to be really strong. So instead of doing that, I would do the one that just like makes him more powerful, whatever ability that was. And I would just scout with the Blade Master. And then when I found their base, I could just start killing their miners because at that point he's so strong and like, you know, they don't really have much of an army. I could all, I could like almost always kill one or two miners right off the bat and then just run away. And not like have you not even have to worry about him getting killed. So like that, I would immediately kill their economy. If I'm not mistaken, that was one of the more popular strategies in the pro scene as well. Because when oh, I've been it? watching when I've been watching VODs, it's like the little that I have watched, that has been a very common thing. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, especially um shoot, what was his name? The really um the 
Dang. He was a European player, one of the best, probably if not the best of all time in Warcraft 3. Uh, Grubby? Came over to EG. Yeah, Grubby. Yeah, Grubby that, did that strategy a lot when I watched him play. That's interesting. That's funny because I never, I never knew, I never even watched. Um... Oh, okay, Rob. <laughs> well, I mean, oh, I, I came I'm... up with this badass strategy. <laughs> I'm not. I may well have picked it up from somebody. I don't remember, but uh, yeah, I never I'm watched any, any Warcraft back then. So, when are we gonna play Warhammer against each other then? Um, honestly, maybe if I, if I play Winter Salt for the next expansion, maybe we could do that because I, I wouldn't mind giving that a shot, especially since I've heard Winter Salt's pretty good. Sounds so... like you're dodging. No, I'm just saying if we maybe we could play the new one together, explore and talk about it. Listen, I'm gonna smash you. It's it's just fate, but let's at least make it entertaining. All right, we'll see what happens. <laughs> just fuck with you, Robert. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, so what did you have more fun with? I'm I'm curious, Warhammer or Warcraft? Ooh, this is tough. So I'm gonna be really cheesy here I, i'm gonna give it a tie I, I enjoyed warhammer partially for the nostalgia partially for being amazed at how good of a game it was and just i spent hours playing this game but warcraft has a very special place in my heart it has an amazing storyline to it and i already knew this was gonna be a great game but it still impressed me again it, it's they have they both have very redeeming qualities i i could not pick one honestly they're both so good I think I logged like 800 hours on Warcraft 3 or something like that. I'm so Maybe jealous that I, I missed it during the during its prime. I'm really sad. Yeah, it was so much fun. But yeah, like especially when it first came out, it blew everything else out of the water. Yeah. I, and well, like, I've, I thought about this recently. Like, I couldn't imagine being the people who played Warcraft 1, Warcraft 2, Warcraft 3 from, you know, the, from the day that they came out. And then all of a sudden you hear about World of Warcraft. You're like, could you? I, I can't even imagine. <laughs> it must have been I, just insane. It was funny because, for me, I was just like, uh, you know, it's another MMORPG. That's so crazy. <laughs> and that turned out to be, like, the biggest one ever. I was like, I kept reading good reviews, and I was just like, you know, I don't, I just don't know. So I never ended up playing it. I should have been. so it. funny. Nah, you didn't miss out on anything. <laughs> well, real quick, what, what was your, what's your race in Warcraft? Actually, I, I, so I played the human campaign, but every time I've played uh, skirmish games, I've just done random. I, oh, I don't okay, really okay. have one. That was what yeah. I did too, for the most part. I yeah, think I liked yeah. the um, the undead the best, but I played random. I, it's so funny because like normally when I play an RTS, I pick one race. Like you remember when we played Wings of Liberty? I played Protoss. When we played yeah. Heart of the Swarm. I played Zerg. It, it, I liked to just dedicate myself to one of them. But more recently, since I have tried, you know, not just playing and getting as good as I can, um, now that yeah. I have more fun with it. Yep. Yeah, that's 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 the difference. Um, one hundred percent. Like if you're just playing to have fun, then. For me, at least, that's always like, do random, because then you get to play with more different, you know, you got different toys to play with all the time. But, uh, yeah, I've, yeah, if you're, then, like, when we used to play StarCraft 2, it was like, play to see how good you can get. You have to pick exactly just go with it. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. All right. Those are, those are two awesome ones. I know. I'm so happy with the So you take a wild ass guess what I played. It was StarCraft. Oh yeah, remastered. Oh, <laughs> uh, I haven't been playing it a ton because it only just came out like two days ago. <coughs> Excuse me, I guess maybe three days ago now. But uh, yeah, I just like this came out. I was like, you know what? I got to go ahead and start playing it for the podcast. So, StarCraft. I guess just give kind of a general overview of it real quick. Uh, <laughs> yet another. This is like the RTS uh, I know. episode. Um, 
three races. You got the Zerg, the Terran. Uh, the Zerg are like slimy, like alien creatures. The Terran are basically, they're the humans. They're like space Marines. And then the uh, Protoss, which are like the, the super advanced, uh, like alien species. And just like Warcraft, just like uh, Warhammer, the, all three races uh, play significantly differently. I mean, obviously the base, the basic mechanics are the same, but um, like with uh, the Protoss, they're based a little bit more on having fewer units that are like more powerful and have like more advanced capabilities. The uh, the Marines, the the Terran are kind of like the basic, uh, the ba- like the basic race. They've got you know machine guns and that kind of, and like tanks and stuff like that. And then the Zerg are kind of based on like swarming your enemy. So like you build, you have like they're not quite as strong, but you build tons and tons of units. And, uh, and, and the mechanic, some of the mechanics are different as well. Like the way, um, so you have like when you're, when you're building structures as the Terran, which again are like the more basic one, you have your workers and you take a worker, you tell them to build a, you know, a barracks so you can start producing Marines. And the, the, the SCV is the worker. He drives over to wherever you tell him to go. He spends a couple minutes building a building and then, uh, you tell him to go back and start mining with the Zerg. When you want to build, a, a their version of the buildings, you get one of your workers and you tell him to build a building and the worker himself morphs into the building and starts like growing the, wow, that was a cool sound. He starts uh, like, good glasses. <laughs> he starts like growing into the building. And so you and lose, you, you get a reduced cost for that too. Yeah. Yeah. You get a little cost. reduced cost. You need to build another worker. So you, so you can keep mining, uh, you know, as much as you were, but, uh, but yeah, it costs a little less. And then, with uh, the Protoss, you just tell him, you, you do the same thing. You get a worker, you tell him that you want a building here. The worker goes over and, like, opens a portal and then immediately can go back to mining. And then the portal sits there for a few minutes and, like, uh, while the building comes through. And then after a few minutes, the building kind of just, like, generates in that spot. But he doesn't have to, like, work on it the whole time. Um, also, another difference is, like, the Zerg. You know, I'll, I'll, for most of the other, um, or for the other two races, for Protoss and Terran... You have these buildings, and if you want to uh, produce a unit, you tell this building, hey, all right, make this unit, and then it starts producing it, and after a minute, then a unit pops out of that building. With Zerg, you do have multiple buildings, but all of the units that you build come from your base. So it's like all the other buildings are basically just tech buildings that give your base the ability to uh, produce these other units. So you have to, and they also spawn from little larvae. They don't come out of the base itself. So like each base can have three larvae at any given time. So you can produce like three guys at once. But if you want to do more than that, then you need to build like more of uh, like more bases. Macro hatcheries. Yeah. Macro hatcheries expand or just put like other, like, you know, of your like main structure inside your base, just so you have more stuff to build. And uh, the Zerg can also remax a lot faster typically because once you get a bunch of hatcheries, uh, then you are, then if you're fighting and you, you lose a bunch of units, then like the other races, they have to have a ton of buildings and then they have to produce like one at a time from each of those buildings. Whereas the Zerg, you can produce three guys at a time from your building. So typically the Zerg can remax, uh, yeah. faster than the, than the other races. That's a great races. point actually. Yeah. And so those, like the difference in the races and the different, and like, even just like the, the differences, like all the differences, the way they look, the way they play, the different strategies, the different sound like building mechanics, <laughs> sound effects and all and that. different music. That's, that's, I didn't, I never really realized that. That's so funny. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, that's, that's what kind of hooked me on Starcraft 
to be like when I first was introduced to it, like back in college, I was like, wow, this is really cool. Cause by the, at that point, I, the only other RTS I had played was uh, like the red alert series. Oh, yeah. and they've got like different units, but they play very similar to each other. It's like, they play exactly the same. It's just like, Oh, this guy, this, this, um, like, uh, not race, but, uh, like, what do you call them? Is it access in the allies? Mm. <clears throat> the allies have these units, like these guys that can shoot this kind of stuff. And these, these vehicles. And then the axis, they have like a little bit kind of different vehicles and different like infantry, but generally it's mostly the same there. Whereas in this one, not only do you have three different races instead of two, you, they're, they're very different in the way that they play. So that was, that was really cool at the time. Uh, so Starcraft is known for being very well balanced. There's obviously, you're always going to have people like arguing that like, you know, this or that unit is imbalanced, but, uh, overall it's a really well balanced game, which is why it became a pretty big esport at the time. Uh, it's like, like you said, Jay, especially in, uh, South Korea. Korea. And so like that was what kind of gave it, gave it its lasting power. I th- well, I, aside from just being a good game, that and like being so well balanced that people played this competitively and it spawned kind of like its own little esports scene. Not that there were not other games doing that, but this is this there were not oh, there were not very many at the time, so it was yeah. cool that this turned into one of those. Um with StarCraft remastered, what they've done is they cleaned up they basically, like you said, I guess you kind of summed it up, they pretty much just cleaned up the graphics a little bit. So it's not like <laughs> borderline painful. It's to crazy look at. how how drastic the dra- graphics changed. It's it's crazy to me. It's what's crazy to me is that <clears throat> combined with when you look at it, you're like, well, yeah, this looks better, but I can't tell what's different. It's like they, <laughs> they did like such a good job of like the it, typical like make it how you remember it being, but not. You know, yeah, like, they didn't ruin they didn't ruin the art- artistical integrity. That, that's what I saw someone say, and I feel like that is very accurate usually when somebody yeah. updates the game the graphics are like you're like whoa like they do something they do a whole new type art style and it's just like i don't know about this like this isn't what i was hoping for but nah I, when i first started playing i was like is this updated and i'm like yeah, <laughs> yeah it is okay it is it took me a minute to, to register yep so yeah it's still uh but yeah it still looks like it's old self but like then if you look at like an actual screenshot from original starcraft you're like whoa okay yeah this is this is much better yeah it's funny um, I, I'm not sure if this is the case, but it seems like it's uh, sped up a little bit as well. Do you have any idea if that's? I true? don't think so. <clears throat> I, okay. I haven't heard anything like that, but I, I don't think so. I just felt like when I played, I, I played Brood War like a couple years ago, and it felt so slow to me. It felt like slow as hell. And slow as in one, the game speed. Slow as in yeah, just, just like overall. slow in the game speed. It took. It felt like it took forever to do anything. Uh, whereas when I was playing it now, it didn't feel that way to me. So, so you can turn the game speed up to fastest. I, I don't know if you were doing that when you were a kid. No, I had mine on like normal. Okay. So most people play, f- <laughs> I believe the online aspect of it is the fastest version, but from hmm, what I've okay. seen so far, most of the games I, I've watched w- with high caliber players, they're 30, 40, 50 minutes each. Okay. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. With, yeah. yeah. Well, wow, that's funny because none of the ones that I saw were that long i don't think interesting um they have a ladder system by the way that's one thing that they, they actually added that was yeah yeah they do have a ladder you all right robert all right hello everybody we are back and 
we had a little bit of an issue with the recording. Unfortunately, we lost uh, everything after, well, basically starting right here where the uh, audio just cut out for a second. We lost everything from the original recording from this point on because uh, some shit came unplugged. When I plugged it back in, it was working for us, but my uh, recording software wasn't picking it up, unfortunately. So, um, part of, I think what we missed was part of the rest of uh, Stark was part of the rest of us talking about Starcraft, which we're not going to worry about that. We got the, I think we got all of the main stuff. So we're going to cut back in just so that we can uh, go back in and include the, uh, the top fives and the emails. We're going to do sort of like a quick, just like a quick version of the top fives in the emails just to get, just to make sure we include them. Cause I don't want to leave any of the emails out and I want you guys to know what our top fives were, but we're not going to like, <laughs> we, we already know what, what each other's are and we already know what all the emails say because Spoilers. we've been through this once already. So uh, if we don't sound like super shocked and excited, that's why we're going to kind of do a quick version of this. So sorry about that. And we're sorry also that the uh, episode was late getting out because we had to reschedule time to, uh, or we had to schedule time to re-record this half of the episode. Before we go on, however, uh, Jay, I forgot to bring this up with you. Uh, so if you remember, Jay and I had a little bet. Uh, oh, Jesus. John oh, Jones yeah. versus Daniel Cormier. Nothing's been decided yet, though. Let's let's be honest here. Daniel Cormier lost the fight. <laughs> Nothing. Oh, yeah, okay. Nothing's changed yet. Well, okay, well then we'll wait till it's official, but... The news is that uh, John Jones got popped for uh, steroids, and so the fight has turned into a no contest. Basically, the most like like stereotypical thing that possibly could have happened. Yeah, it's and the most frustrating thing. and most frustrating. Like any everybody's frustrated is the hilarious part. Like every like people who like John Jones, people who don't like John Jones, everybody's just like, John Jones what himself is frustrated, which is so so weird to me. <laughs> no, like how could this happen? It's no, like dude, what? He, he yeah, no, it's it is a tainted supplement, right? Yes, I mean, well, they're so they're, they're testing a secondary sample and shit, so. Yeah, they're doing all that. So, it's not 100% official, but basically it's a no contest. If it and if it so once once we get the final results, um since I've already played my game that I have to play, then we're going to force Jay to play something that he doesn't want to play uh, once we get those results in. So, uh, I think you know it's coming, Jay. Oh, yeah. 100%. I think you know it. Uh, but enough of that. We'll talk about that next time once it's official, or eventually when it's official. And for now, we'll wrap up the end of this episode. So, oh, oh, fi- oh sorry. One more thing, actually. I did get my package from Jonathan... Uh, from oh, Jonathan, nice. who sent, who was going to send us some stuff. I think you've got something coming, also, Jay. And he sent me a copy of Anamusha to play. So, Jonathan, thank you a whole yeah, whole thank lot. Thank you very much. And uh, I will. Um, I hope to get to that pretty soon, or I hope to get to it very soon. I do have a couple games, uh, a few games on the list, a couple that I've already played that I just need to kind of like wait to talk about because I just I've played too sort of played too many at once. And then uh, there's another game I'm playing at the moment. So this will likely come shortly after we get all that stuff out of the way. So thanks again, Jonathan. And thanks for Jay's shit also. Now, let's finish the episode. Sound good, Jay? Sounds like a plan, Stan. (laughs) Nice Paul Simon uh, quote there. All right. So our top five is maker games. Our our best ideas for maker-style games. So games like Mario Maker. If we could come up with an idea like, uh, you know, Metroid Maker or something like that. What would be our, what would be our top five ideas for that? So, you want to go first or you want me to? Up to you. 
you go first. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So obviously we know each other's list. So um, this this first one was more. This is a little bit more vague. Allows a little bit more creativity from the, from whoever's playing it. But this was an idea of an RPG maker, which they do exist. But I would like a more mainstream one to be able to use like sprites and and maybe different mechanics from current existing RPGs, and then into some sort of um, software that you can use to create basically however you want it, how, obviously the length of the RPG, but uh, to be able to create RPGs that you can test and, and have um, other people try. Even just something super simple it could be, you know, 20, 30 minutes or something. So I don't remember, would, are you, uh, would you be using like assets from other games, like Final Fantasy games or something like that, more or less? I was thinking you could, I mean, you could obviously import custom ones if you wanted to, if you wanted okay. to create your own stuff, but gotcha. you could also import, you know, depending on which companies are involved, obviously you could incorporate assets or sprites from existing IPs. Nice. All right. Very good. My number five is uh, an R-type maker. And I mean this actually in the term of R-type as in the series, Super R-type. Um, not just shmups in general, but I, th I, I think either way would be cool. Shmups in general would be awesome. Uh, I chose R-type specifically because that's got a real cool, like, futuristic environment and, all, and bad guys and all that kind of stuff. So I... I don't know. It probably wouldn't be a shmup maker may not be the best idea, but it'd, I think it's kind of one of those that would be at least cool to play around with. Cool. Um, right, actually, oddly enough, kind of falling in that same category is uh, we talked about obviously is uh, UN squadron maker or like a shmup or R type or however you want to call it. Uh -huh. uh, just being able to create levels, you know, adjusting the difficulty, making them more difficult for more veteran players. Or if you want to make them easier, if you want to do creative things, or if you just want to make like a seizure inducing level, you know, maybe, create custom weapons or, or custom planes with different balancing. I think it'd be really fun if you actually had the, the ability to go through and just kind of edit things and see what would uh, ultimately make it too difficult or, or just really, really fun. Or make you and Squadron beatable. Just yeah. Oh, my God. I think it's so hard. <laughs> I, I've, like, I got into the last couple levels so many times. Like, I've had perfect runs and then just failed to beat the last world. Yeah, it sucks. It's a pretty, it's a pretty rough game. Mm -hmm. Or a tough game. It's a good game. It's hard. Is that your number four? Yeah. All right, my number four is Marble Madness Maker. Uh, was I, this on there last time? Yeah, it was on last time. Because remember, oh, that's a really good one. You thought I said Marvel Madness. You thought it was like oh a Marvel. yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> that's right. That, that I do remember. But uh, I think this would be pretty Marble cool. Marble Madness. Yeah, Marble Madness is a pretty tough game. But uh, you know, again, this might not be like the best maker game, but I think it would still be pretty cool to come up with like little courses to try to get the marbles to go through. I'm, I'm sure people sure. could come up with some really creative stuff for that. I would love something like that with like Super Monkey Ball. Even that'd be super fun. Yeah, more or less the same thing. But yeah, that that would uh, yeah. Either way, either one of those would be cool. I'm more of a Marble Madness guy than Super Monkey Ball. Actually, I don't even, I don't think I ever played Super Monkey Ball. Oh, next time you come over, you gotta give it a shot. I have it. Super fun. Sweet. All right, number three. Uh, this is a new addition. So this, hear me out. So an RTS maker, which obviously RTS makers exist in most games, they allow you to edit. Uh, levels, oh, but sure. I would like to see something where you could create a custom effect in RTSs where people could join the game. So one person is the macro-oriented person. They construct the base. Um, they focus on making sure that you know everything's up. Upkeep is good. The other person controls the units, even in first-person mode. So you have an FPS sort of elements, but you still have the RTS elements. And so you, you know, obviously you, ha you can have people queue up in a lobby or sit in a queue and then join. And as they join, they become the units. 
Like I think something like that, like some kind of maker oriented thing where you have one person focusing on the macro and the other person focusing purely on micro or just however, however it would fit, I think would be pretty, pretty cool concept. That would, I think that would be like super hard to pull off, but if you did it, if you somehow did, then that would be pretty killer. I, I've wanted something like that for a long time, honestly. I think I've talked. I think I've talked about it on the podcast before. I think that'd be such a cool thing. Like, what? imagine if you you had like a team of five people. One person was the the base oriented person, and the other four people rotated between the units that you create, and just did like some really intricate micro or you know however it might be done. Like, imagine if you're a dragoon in StarCraft. <laughs> I can't get through this. This area, I can't get. Dude, we're stuck. We're at a choke point. You move. No, you move. All right, fine. I'm gonna back up. All right, I'm going for it. No, I'm backing up. Oh shit! I love watching that on the. the I've been watching so much of the the Brewdor streams because you know the re-release. Yeah. And it's so funny to just watch like these guys. Like I see them a click like a group of stra- uh, dragoons, and then they just get stuck in this choke point. And I'm just watching it on the mini map. I can see them like running into the wall, then backing up, and then running into the wall, and then backing up like their first time driving or something. And it, it's just so funny to watch and. It just yeah. makes me laugh. Those, those dragoons, they're they're wacky. So funny. They're dead zealots. That's what they're. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. In StarCraft Two, are dead zealots are one of the units dead zealots again? I don't think so. I mean, stalkers, I think, are their own thing. I don't really know the lore of Star StarCraft Two past Wings of Liberty. Really, okay. I know a little bit of Hots, but it just got really nah. Wasn't good to me. Gotcha. I like it. All right, number three. I don't think this game would really even be possible, but I'm just kind of imagining if it was possible, maybe it'd be fun. Night Trap Maker. <laughs> I didn't remember this one. This I, I think I sort of realized as I said it last time, like, wait a minute, there's no way this could ever work. But like having FMV scenes that you arrange in some way, they're like, oh, if this happens, then you play this scene. Or if that happens, then you play this. I... That's basically as far as I've taken the idea. I think it's probably a terrible idea, but there it is. It's good. I like it. But to be honest with you, the, the American Cancer Foundation would be against that because <laughs> that's all it would cost. <laughs> nice. That was a good one. All right. Number two. Number two. Uh, so <laughs> this, this honestly probably should be my number one, but um, I like my number one as well, uh, is a WoW Raid Maker. So this is actually something I, after we talked about it, I, I kind of spoke with a, a couple of people that I know that, you know, we talk about WoW a lot. And actually, we're kind of thinking this might be a thing in the future. And <clears throat> this is the idea for anybody who's played an MMO, right? So uh, bosses obviously have intricate mechanics. And usually in a raid dungeon, there's a set of eight to 10 bosses. But imagine if people could go in and create custom bosses. They could use existing sprites or if they want to create their own custom sprites. And then they could actually script the bosses to an extent. Obviously, there's limitations with scripting, but to be able to come up with new mechanics, new visuals, maybe even dialogue and stuff, if you want to add a little bit of a story element to the raid to, to make people more enticed. But I, I just think it'd be really, really cool if people could design difficulties on bosses and mechanics, like just to keep upping things. Like if it, it, I think it's so great to say, okay, this guild killed this boss. Okay, let's make it more difficult. Okay, this guild finally killed it. Okay, let's make it more difficult. Like just keep adding to it, maybe adding more unique elements and just... It'd be cool to revisit bosses too, which Blizzard doesn't normally do. Once a boss is killed, they pretty much just leave it. That is cool. I think that would be a cool idea. I, I would enjoy the fuck out of that. Oh my god, I have no idea. <laughs> I'd bash my head again. I would even if it was unkillable. Like there are bosses that that existed in early WoW that were unkillable. They were unkillable for like a hundred days, and guilds would just bash their heads against it, trying to find any way to do it. There are actually bosses that people have gone back and mathematically calculated if every person was doing their job perfectly were not possible. Well, then how did the 
How does that work in the like? How does that work in the game? So you say the boss has a twenty minute rage in timer, right? So after twenty minutes, the boss will kill everybody. If everybody does perfect DPS, so if all your DPS are doing perfect DPS, your tanks are doing perfect uh, threat generation, your healers are not running out of mana, and nobody dies, all the DPS have 100% uptime doing perfect DPS, all of that multiplied together is not the boss's No, no, I get, I get what you're saying, oh, but my question is, what's the purpose of having an unbeatable boss? Like, why do they put an unbeatable they boss? They didn't know. This is very early. This was like Oh, their, okay, okay. Yeah, they didn't know. They, they What I liked about it, one of the things I like is at the beginning, they would make bosses too fucking hard and then nerf them to make them a little bit easier. As opposed to now where it's like, oh shit, that boss is way too easy. Sorry, everybody, we're going to up the difficulty. I think it's 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 just, it breaks so many rules in my mind that if you release something, it should be too difficult, not ever too easy. Like if you're not sure, put it above the bar and then slowly nerf it over time until people kill it. And they, they actually added mechanics like that. Like if a guild didn't kill a boss for a week, then everybody would get a 1% damage buff. And it would stack until the boss was killed. They did stuff like that, which I thought was a really good mechanic. Huh. Like, it's it's hard to test bosses. You know what I mean? Like they have guilds that do it and stuff. But... Yeah. yeah. No, that sounds. No, yeah, I get what you're saying. Now that sounds. I think that would be a cool idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Number two. Where my list go? Here we go. Uh, Goldeneye Maker. Oh yeah, I do remember this. This would be this. Um, I don't mean like a multiplayer map, but uh, like a single player level. I think it would be cool. And we were talking about Golden Eye versus uh, Perfect Dark. I think maybe oh, the last man. episode. Like Perfect Dark was a better uh, was a better game overall, but I feel like Golden Eye had a better had a better campaign. So you, you and I both. I, I disagree on this. I, I think the co op aspect of the of uh, Perfect Dark was so good. okay. All right. Well, well bar- barring the co op. Okay. I'm just okay so yeah really you're, no you're right co-op. having co-op is killer but uh if like just one person playing through the campaign and i may be wrong i may be remembering incorrectly but but i remember having a little bit more fun as far as the single player goes on golden eye uh i think it'll be fun to like be able to set up kind of like drag and drop and like put bad guys wherever you want like, oh, yeah. you know, just have like a big like landscape layout and then put buildings in it and bad guys wherever so you can make like a sniper focus level or more of like a you know like a little bit more stealthy or just more like run and gun you everybody kinda... would just play odd job i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> so uh i think it'll be fun to design a level for goldeneye i agree with you all right number two uh that that was this is my number one actually oh I you did. only have you've only got four oh we have five wait what have yours been so far Oh no! Oh, I'm sorry. Wait. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. I forgot good. that. I forgot that you went first. Oh. Oh. Okay. I see. Uh, number one. Uh, so this is the idea of like a PUE slash Diablo maker. Um, so this dungeon grinding type type uh, gameplay. Um, be very cool if people could create the dungeons, like the layouts. If they obviously they can use existing stuff and and create new dungeons make them very maze-like. Obviously, a good amount of these types of games have mazes with dead ends and stuff like that. But to be able to do that and to obviously make the bosses. So usually when you play these dungeon crawling games, as you get to the higher difficulties, the mobs become random. They usually have uh, one random effect or two or three different random effects. And to be able to add to those types of mechanics and, and you know maybe come up with your own random effects that could be applied to the boss and you know they kind of uh, chain off the other ones or uh, make, you know, more, in more intricate level designs where you actually have to find certain things to activate to get further in the dungeon. However you want to do it, I think it'd be super cool. And with, obviously, with uh, old-school Diablo 2, the Battle.net platform would have been perfect for something like this, for people to just be able to make custom maps where oh, people can right. actually play through the game. Yeah. I was thinking about that. 
that's a, that's a, I think that's a really good idea. All right, my number one Mario Kart Maker. Oh yeah, I just think it'd be fun. And it, we were talking about this. I think it would pretty much have to be like Super Nintendo style Mario Kart, or else it would get way out of hand and be you know. If you're trying to create stuff that's in, like, Mario Kart 8, for instance, I think, like, that would be impossible, nearly, to, like, have a game that would allow you to do all that. But if you, you know, if it was just, like, one, like, like no Z-axis, basically, just, it's a flat level, create your track however you want it, put scenery, have the track go, you know, obviously, however, the, however you want the track to go, have, you know, whatever kind of hazards and all that kind of stuff. I think that would be really cool. Sure. That was, I think that would be the best out of, you know, obviously that's my number one. So I think that would be the best I think that's probably the best of most of, yeah, I honestly think that's just such a good answer. This is the one that I see being most plausible. Maybe that's why I had this as my number one. Like, the most of the others, like, are cool, like, if you could get them to work, I think. But I don't know if they're really, if it's reasonable to expect something like that to even be possible. Whereas I think this would be very doable and fun. Yeah, I agree. So, all right, we decided that for our next, and Jay, let's do either three or five, just whatever we can come up with, because we might not be able to come uh, up with five. This may be a more three-oriented one, but yeah. Yeah, okay. so we'll say top three, and if you can come up with five, just do five. Um, but top three games that have, that like combine two things, like that combine two genres in a, in a way that's kind of random, but it actually works. And so we're talking about like actual games, not like our ideas for games. Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? It does. Okay. All right. So, top three games that combine random genres together. And with that, we'll go on to emails. Hell yeah. I got a new mouse. Oh, yeah. I told you this to you earlier. Uh, Yeah, and then I asked you what it was. You said you went to the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, My other one. So, like, I had a SteelSeries Sensei. Oh, yeah. And that was was the same one that we got from when we were uh, writing for EG. And it eventually broke. I think I don't. I think it maybe got, like, Lysol inside of it or something. And uh, so it broke. That was, like, a year ago. And I had an old Razer uh, Death Adder. That I yeah, had. that's what I'm using. Okay, yeah, that's a good mouse. That was like... Uh, it's my favorite mouse. I'd buy only that, pretty much. Really? Yeah. I had it from when... It was my mouse before I got the Seal Series, and I still happen to have it, like, lying around, so I plugged that in, and I've been using it, and I was happy with it. But then that one broke. <laughs> uh, It just got... I think that was just because it was so damn old, it finally broke. And so, like, I was for a couple of days, I was having to use this, <laughs> like, uh, Dell mouse... That was that like came with an old like three computers ago, and it was like so disgusting feeling. Even after like I cleaned it off, like the mouse wheel, like it, like like it was like stuff would like randomly come out come out of the sides of the wheel still even after I had cleaned it out. Really? Yeah, I don't know like where it was generating the shit from, but it looked like earwax. It was super gross, huh? Bunch of semen. Probably just yeah, yellow like super dark yellow semen. Uh, oh, but no, it like <laughs> it really it like looked and felt exactly like goopy earwax. It was really terrible. That's so I was like, so I gross. cannot use this. So I had to like order another mouse as soon as I could. I got a Steel Series uh, Rival 310. It's okay. kind of similar to the Sensei, 
but it's like slightly bigger. It's not as big as the uh, Razor Death Adder, but uh, I, I really like it. So okay. just, just throwing that out there. It's it's a it feels really good. If you uh, and you're not me, sponsored by that. We're not right? sponsored by Steel Series. Although we can change that if anybody from Steel Series is listening, we can do something about that. We can fix that. Rival three ten. If you're looking for a new mouse, check in. Check check that one out. I, I check, check, check it out. Check, 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 check it, check it out. out. What 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 what's it all about? All right, number number all right, number number <laughs> email <laughs> email number one number one. All right, I think this is. Yeah, I think this is the first one because I don't have them marked as new anymore because we read them. So I think this is... I, I don't think we've read this one on a previous episode. I think this is where we're starting. So, Chase the Night Cleaner. I think most of them are in chat, actually. Funny enough. Oh, well, half of them would, would be, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I'm just going to go with it. First one, Chase the Night Cleaner. Good evening, gentlemen. Chase the Night Cleaner again. Emailing in to let you know that the folks at home are loving what you do and that we hope you keep on keeping on. Thank you very much, Chase. How are you all today, uh, today, gentlemen? Today, good. Sunday, you know. It is Sunday. Odd day for us to be doing this, but yeah, it does. It always feels weird when we do it on an off day, but uh, I'm doing pretty good. Except I think I'm starting to get sick. You said you think you're yeah, or you're battling something as well, or you're getting over being sick. Yeah. Uh, But otherwise, I I I got no complaints. Oh, I do have poison ivy though. I I, I'll complain about that. That's crazy, man. I still can't believe it. It's on my ankle. It sucks. Wow. Uh, wanted to let you know that Gaming Jay was amazing, and I really enjoy yeah, his knows. web content on YouTube. Thank you, Chase. Yeah, everybody really seemed to like that episode. I, th- I thought it went great. I also. really liked that episode. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, it really was fun. Um, thanks again to Jay for coming on, but that really was a good episode. Chase says, it's even great just to listen to him in the background during a workday or watch some of the more complex gameplays. Jay Totoro, Congrats on being the best at everything and your moral victory over Robert. Your temporary moral victory over Robert. Well, this was a related. This was related to uh, what call it? Not the fight. What was this for? This wasn't really. Wasn't this because of Tricky Towers? I'm not sure. I don't know which one would be considered a moral victory. We're gonna say. You don't have any moral victories over me. How about that? <laughs> okay, as long as we just say that, then that's fine. <laughs> Robert, thanks for being such a good sport, and also for pimping my podcast. You the best. Yeah, maybe he was talking about Tricky Towers, actually. Next up, I had an idea for the next contest, and I want your opinion on it. I propose the next contest... Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I remember this. I propose the next contest will be an email writing contest. <laughs> Each of you... Oh, that's right. <laughs> ...would need to write in an email to your own show, and the other person will have to read it out loud on the episode... You both agree to do this for. So to be clear, Jay writes an email and Robert reads. Robert writes an email and Jay reads. There is no set topic for the email you are to write, so it can be about anything. Better make it interesting, oh. though, because you will be getting judged on the contents. Winner of the contest will be decided by email votes uh, for the following episode submitted by your loyal listeners. Twitter responses also count. I will reserve my own vote as a tiebreaker should a tie result. How does that challenge sound? I think that sounds awesome. yeah. I think that sounds really good. I have no no idea where this is gonna go, but uh, I already wrote mine. <laughs> did you really? No. <laughs> but this is uh, this is awesome. Let's okay yeah. Let's we'll figure out. We're not gonna do this for the next episode probably since we're kind of behind. But uh, we'll figure it out, Jay, and maybe the the next episode after that. Uh, thank you, Chase. That's a good idea. 
Also, do, did you need the list of strategy guides again to know what you are fighting for? I think we decided that we do need that list again. Yes, I believe yeah. so as well. I may be able to dig it up somewhere, but Chase, if it's not too uh, big of a hassle for you to send that again, that would be nice. That would be awesome. In other news, WoW will be 13 years old this November, which brings me to the question of the day. What oh, MMO no. have you enjoyed the most playing? <sighs> And what is one story of glory or shining moment in play that solidified your love for that MMO? So, oddly enough, so obviously my, my choice is World of Warcraft. I've been playing World of Warcraft pretty much since beta. And I had some really, really fond memories playing uh, from vanilla all the way through. I think I stopped in like Cataclysm um, and off and on from that point. But recently, obviously, I've been talking about, I've been playing a lot of private servers, which are uh, the original WoW, the vanilla WoW. And last year... I had an experience that I had heard about for a very long time, but never actually experienced it during the time it existed, which was what, what it, which is uh, world bosses. And so what these are is that they are these bosses that are very crucial when you are trying to push uh, for server firsts, and these bosses spawn in a window. So it'll after the boss dies, it may spawn uh, seven days later, but after seven days, it could spawn any time. So everybody. Uh, anybody who's trying to compete for these bosses will have a scout. So w each guild will have one person. You kind of just rotate, you know, bricks of hours or something and just say, you sit there and you watch for this boss, right? So you could, your time could be from 4, 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. The next person's 8 a.m. Well, that sounds like a job. So okay. you, everybody has uh, a handful of people in the guild that do this. A lot of people use bots because, you know, obviously it's a lot easier. And so these bosses could spawn literally in the middle of the night. So like 2 a.m. And so I had my phone, uh, we had this app that we used to alert each other when, when it would happen. And so two, maybe like 2.15 in the morning, I get an alert that this boss spawns, <laughs> wakes me up, 2.15 in the morning, I get up, I go Damn. downstairs, I get on my computer, and I have all my equipment ready to go, all my consumables in my bags, I'm sitting in the major city, as soon as I log on, I immediately get an invite, I get summoned out there, and it is a bloodbath, it is Hundreds of people just fighting each other, obviously post, uh, opposing factions, just fighting each other. Bosses just wandering around <laughs> doing its normal pathing. We are just slaughtering each other. And the best part is, is my guild was trying to avoid combating the opposing faction because we wanted the opposing faction to kill a competing guild on our side. <laughs> so we're backing up and we're trying not to engage and we're just going at it for, uh, it was probably 10 a.m., like about eight hours later that the boss actually Damn. died. But for eight shit. hours, all we were doing was just trying to fuck other people over from getting this boss. And then if somebody finally would get the boss, we would have one of our tanks run in. We would blow everything on him to keep him alive. He would taunt the boss. So the boss would turn and face him <laughs> and then breathe this frost breath that would wipe their entire group. This is what we did for eight <laughs> hours. So every time we'd attempt the boss, we would just have one of our warriors run in. He would pop all his cooldowns. He would taunt the boss and drag it into the raid. It would freeze their entire raid and they would all just die. And the best part Damn. about this boss is after you die, you get this debuff that lasts for, I think it's like 30 minutes. And the, the debuff is if the boss uses an ability near you, you become frozen for 10 minutes and you cannot get out of it. So after you die, if you die within the range of the boss, you pretty much cannot go near the boss for 30 minutes. So if anybody had that debuff, we would just drag the boss into them and just watch them get one shot. Eight hours. And this is not a single ex example too. We, we did this numerous times for a bunch of different bosses. And it's just... It, it, it was it was such a large amount of time, and it sounds ridiculous, but it was more fun than I've had doing most things. Like it, you have forty people that you're very close with. Actually, we had probably forty or fifty at this point. Very close with. You're having a lot of fun. We're all in Discord or Skype or whatever, just kind of hanging out, talking as we're just 
doing this. It, it is so much fun. It is it's such a great hobby. That's killer. That sounds awesome. I don't really have, you know, I don't, I don't, I didn't, I haven't played many MMOs. Really, the only one that I ever played seriously was, uh, or even semi-seriously, was uh, Final Fantasy XI. Oh yeah, and that that's was a pretty, good one. Yeah, it was pretty fun. It was good, and uh, that had a very similar experience actually, from a lot of people tell me. Oh really? It was. Um, I remember the the thing, the like I didn't have any shining moment really, but the the part of the game that stands out to me the most was this. Uh, there was this ferry that you could take to get to this one certain part of the world. And whenever you took the ferry, if you, you could stay like inside or you could go out on deck and look out. But if you went out and looked out, there was always a chance that a giant squid would attack you, would like attack the boat and try to kill you. And, uh, so I would like start off <laughs> inevitably, like start off on the inside be like, cause like, you know, at my level, he would one shot you if he, if he hit you. And so like, I would start off on the inside and they're like, oh no, let's do it. Let's go look outside. <laughs> and like, <laughs> so I go outside and like look at the scenery and stuff as we're passing by. And then like, you know, maybe like 20, 10, 20% of the time the squid would come out and I'd try running back in. But usually like if he spotted you, then his tentacle would like follow you back inside and kill you anyways. But I'd just, be like, the person to st- go out every time. <laughs> yeah, I pretty, I, I pretty much did go out every time. And, uh, but it was, it was so like something about that was really fun to me. Like, you know, going on this like little, like kind of adventure where there's like this super dangerous monster. It's not like most, you know, it's not like most RPG stuff where it's like, okay, here's a super powerful monster. I'm going to fight it and probably end up killing it. This, this was a different situation where it's like, no, if this guy finds you, you're actually dead. So uh, that that was, yeah, it was, it was, it kind of added a little bit of excitement to it. Uh, Chase says, I had some truly epic moments playing Eve online years ago, but I actually have run out of time for this email. So maybe another time. Yeah, I like to hear Eve Online. I, I've I've I never played fully. I played it for a couple hours, but I read about it so much because it's just it's such a cool community. It is one of those communities that I wish I would have been a part of during its prime. Yeah, exactly. Like I wish. Yeah, I think that's the best way of putting it. Like it's kind of it's one. It's like too. I don't know. It's too much of a lot of things to kind of get get yeah. into it at this point. Your show is always an awesome time, guys. Thanks for the great content and this awesome email section. Cheers and enjoy the rest of this episode. You Chase too. Cleaner. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much, Chase. All right. Uh, Jay, I'm going to give you Jeffrey's email if that's all right with you. Roberto. Okay. Let me know when you posted it. Uh, I'm going to put it in Skype, okay? Yep. There you go. <clears throat> <laughs> this is long. I forgot how long it is. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah of course you forgot it. Yeah. <laughs> It looks longer in Skype than it does in my email. We're not complaining, though. We like long emails. Uh, He says... That's weird. That's a very visual bug. Uh, Greetings, friends. I am... Well, I'm an idiot. I have had plans for emails for the last four episodes. Sometimes life happened. Sometimes you didn't tweet. Recording an episode tomorrow. And lacking a deadline, my thoughts never translated to the written word. In the last week, I composed a long-ass email that I sent to the wrong email address. Whatever. (laughs) <laughs> uh, says i wanted to address the major change to the podcast that occurred a few episodes ago at first i was devastated i felt st- sick to my stomach and didn't even know how to cope with it besides my kids and my wife this podcast is my favorite thing in my life with the nba and game of thrones running closely behind speaking of game of thrones tonight, tonight. uh What's, is it i haven't been watching it because i, I wait for the... okay okay uh, I have to say, though, the last three episodes have been incredible, and even the episodes in the past with only Jay and Rob were some of the absolute best. I am also very excited about the prospect of more guest hosts. 
I enjoyed gaming Jay last episode and I always enjoy a fresh, fresh perspective and hearing a new voice. I agree with this. Uh, I also would be very much in favor of more SNES trunk appearances. So would we. Uh, maybe even another contest that results in a fan appearing on the show, especially if you accept bribes or rig it so that I can win. Uh, we do accept bribes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, going on, he says, since the last time I emailed, I beat Mega Man 2 for the first time on PS4, but without using save states. Very impressive. Uh, it was actually surprisingly easy, but as a kid, the dragon was very difficult for me, and I don't ever, th I don't think I ever beat the boss that, w that has the panels that come off the wall and fly at you. I also beat Final Fantasy VI for the first time, and I'm not trolling, but I thought it was kind of okay. Definitely not a, an all-time great game. Um, I thought VI had a pretty had pretty stock characters that weren't that interesting or well developed, with the exception of uh, Celis. Sorry, I'm just reading. Uh, Locke was okay too. Kefka was by far the best thing about that game. Yeah, that's very very accurate. And he was barely in the second half at all. Kefka is a is a great character. I mean, it, it's one of the most redeeming qualities of this game, for sure. Uh, the story was pretty cheesy most of the time. The dialogue wasn't well-written, and the funny parts weren't funny. Really big letdown. The Esper system was innovative, but I have a lot of issues with it. I honestly liked Final Fantasy IV way, way better when I played it last year. Much better and more emotional characters. I was more invested in the uh, ones that had actual arcs, funnier and better gameplay slash battle system. Final Fantasy VI was a good was good and innovative, but fell short in so many ways. Can't hold a candle to 7, 4, 10, 9, and 12. I then started near, but the characters and stories seemed very lame and silly because the gameplay was pretty blah. I just mm. kind of stopped after a few hours. Uh, most recently, I played Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance on PS2 and had a lot of, a lot of fun with that. I played the crap out of that game. That is a very, very fun co-op game. <laughs> Uh, it this. is very simplistic compared to newer games like Elder Scrolls and Dark Souls, not to mention way easier, but it had fun, addictive quality, and my time spent was worthwhile. I agree with this entirely. Uh, planning to play the second installment soon. I also re revisited Looney Tunes B-Ball, which can't hold a candle to NBA <laughs> Jam. But what a lot of silly fun. Uh, when you guys did your top five SNES games you wanted on the SNES Classic, I really wanted to chime in, so forgive me if I'm damn near two months late. But... Uh, number five, Hagane, I believe, H-A-G-A-N-E. Yeah, I, I think, think so. this is the most rare and expensive SNES game. It would probably be too hard for me, but the art is incredible, and I would love to give it a try. Four, Lufia 2. Besides Earthbound, this is probably the, uh, the game I regret most never have being played. Uh, number three, Final Fantasy V. I have never played this game, so making it incredibly accessible in the U.S. would be nice. And then, I always mispronounce this. I'm going to have you read this, because number two. Where I can it? never oh, say this right. I don't know why. Oh, yeah. Seiken Densetsu 3. Uh, in parentheses, Secret of Mana 2. I played a, 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 a ROM of this, but it was never released in the U.S., and it is incredibly, it is an incredibly incredible action RPG. Definitely better than Secret of Mana, which is on the classic. Yeah, I wasn't too impressed with Secret of Mana, as I talked about recently. Uh, and number one, Demon's Crest. I've heard this game talked up so much. This is another rare and very expensive game. Um... He goes on to say, I could easily t uh, easily take off Super Ghouls and Ghosts, F-Zero, Star Fox, Donkey Kong Country, and maybe one more to make room for these. I don't have an N64 list because that console sucked. Uh, playing Super Smash Brothers, Ocarina of Time, and Majora's Mask were the only redeeming features on, of that garbage system with that terribly clunky graphics. He didn't even list GoldenEye or Perfect Dark. It's true. Maybe he didn't play him. Did he say Mario Kart? No. I think he only named off the games that maybe he played. I don't have a, 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 a... He didn't say F-Zero X either. 
Come on, Jeff. You can do better than that. Majora's Mask was the better Zelda game. Jay is right. Jay is always right. I don't <laughs> know about the Maker game. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 honestly, talking to a lot of people about this, I think it was. I think it's whichever one you played first. I, I think that's really where it falls into. Whichever one you played through first is probably the one you like more. But I would imagine. Well, I mean, I guess there are plenty of people who maybe didn't play Ocarina of Time first. I I didn't. Yeah, exactly. Huh. Um, Were you not old enough yet, or did you just like somehow? I didn't it? have a 64 when it came out. I got oh, one okay. right when Majora's Mask came out, actually. Um, and I played the shit out of the game. Uh, he I goes guess. on to say, I don't know about Maker games. I never enjoyed designing levels or playing fan made levels. I'm sure That's Super cool. Metroid Maker or maybe a Mortal Kombat Maker where you could create your own fatality would be pretty cool. That's actually a pretty cool concept. Yeah, I think so. Uh, he says, even though my emails have been severely lacking, I'm so happy to see the uptick in emails to your podcast. The show is great. I wish more of your fans would take the time to leave positive iTunes reviews. <coughs> yeah, we do too. Uh, he says, I mean, sure, fuck Apple and all their bullshit, but I really want more <laughs> people browsing retro video game podcasts to stumble on this and have their mind blown the same way mine was the first time I, li- first time I listened. Uh, oh, <laughs> the first time I listened and heard somebody talk about Breath of Fire 3 and thought, holy shit, these dudes get it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. They're speaking to me in a way that reaches in my and rips my heart out and takes a bite out of it, like that weird evil dude in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Okay. But I kind of love it. So All right. He says, "So keep playing those old games." In Rob's case, Space Combat Sims. Did I finally get it right? And point and clicks. And in K- Jay's case, actual good games. I'll keep Damn, sending come long, on. self-indulgent emails, and hopefully, occasionally funny emails. Wow. Later. He just couldn't, I feel like he just shit all over you. Yeah, and... he just couldn't let let it out with one final little jab, could he? Holy gosh, that's ah, too funny. Damn. All right, okay. Next comes from. <laughs> sure, you want to keep going? <laughs> Not you want, really. you want some more? All right, next one comes from Simon. Greetings, classic gamers. I have to say that top three maker style games is one of my co- is one of the coolest ideas for a top three, and I'm awesome. looking forward. To hearing what both the hosts and the listeners come up with. I haven't had time to put a lot of thought into it, but here's what popped into my head while procrastinating at work today. Number, <laughs> number three, Pokemon Maker. Oh, yeah. Before you get the wrong idea, I'd better start by saying I don't think this should be let people make their own Pokemon species. That would only result in people making ridiculously overpowered Mew3s oh, yeah. and Pika Blues. With unbeatable move sets and ruin any potential for a legitimate competitive battling. Okay, so Would maybe Pikachu Blue be better than Pikachu on like Raichu. Ooh. Uh barely understood what that sentence meant. Okay, so maybe people would only call them U3 and Pika Blue if this was released in 1999. But this is the classic gaming podcast, and we love living in the past, right? Absolutely, the prime. You mean not the past? <laughs> Getting to the point. I do think this game could work if it allowed people to use existing Pokemon and assets to create their own yeah, challenges. Yeah, I agree. It could or be, at least to start. Yeah. It could just be something small like creating your own gym or battle frontier Ooh. facility. You could set up the layout and the puzzles and decide what Pokemon each trainer and the leader use. Imagine if you were a gym and like you'd get a text message like, Robert Ring wants to battle you. <laughs> Defend your gym. Don't let him get a badge. <laughs> or it could extend... As far as allowing players to create entire regions where they can design their terrain, set up which Pokemon appear at each area, at what level, and so on. Of course, there would have to be some restrictions in place so that the first patch of grass isn't full of level 100 Mewtwo's when your starting Pokemon <laughs> is level 1 Magikarp. You but know still, that's what would happen. 
Well, we uh, what we talked about last time was, uh, or you know, when we originally recorded this, they could do what um, they did with with Mario Maker, where in order to upload a level, you have to beat the level. That oh you yeah, that's right. I think that would pretty much solve that problem. Yeah, that, that's such a such a simple fix that it, it's just perfect. Yeah, it really is. It's actually crazy. But still, I'm sure many fans would do a much better job than Game Freak's recent last recent lackluster attempts at designing an actual engaging, challenging quest. Number they two, missed the biggest opportunity ever with Pokemon Go. Was that was that what they miss? <laughs> Did you not remember all that shit that happened with it? Like it was. You saw, so are you talking about it's... the big like uh, like uh, convention or whatever they had? No, no, it's just like Pokemon Go was such a hype thing. It comes out and it has this system where you can track nearby Pokemon accurately, and then they just turn it off indefinitely. They're like, yeah, we can't get this to work, so we're just going to disable it. Oh, and they brought it back, that. sort of, and it was still dog shit. Like, they had, if they were smart, they would have taken a lot of resources, invested into Pokemon Go, and made it this cultural phenomenon like it should have been, and they just completely missed the mark. Huh. It was just so disappointing. Interesting. Yeah. Number two, NES Remix Maker. I'm not sure how much you guys have played of the NES Remix series, uh, but I think this concept has a lot of potential for player-made challenges. Yeah, they, I haven't played it, but the NES Remix series is like, they come out with like uh, NES Remix, you know, like one or two or something. And what it is, it's like a, kind of a collection of NES games, but instead of like just playing the games, it's like uh, you, it'll be like, I don't really, I've, I've never, I don't know if I've actually seen any of it, but for instance, it'll be like, here's Mario and like, try to get past the first level in like, you know, 25 oh, seconds okay. or something like that. Or try to get this score in Tetris or try to like beat the first level of Donkey Kong without jumping or, you know, that, that would be impossible. That's but you, you funny. Get, you get what I'm saying? Um... I think this has a lot of uh, potential for player-made challenges. It would give people a range of different NES games to create mini challenges from, and you could mix up elements from different games. Yeah, I think that would be really cool. It could also give you options to put in some of the effects from the remix stages of the games, like the graphics changing colors or getting darker, the screen changing size or restricting oh, I don't like what that. actions you can perform. <laughs> I do not like this, Sam. I am. That does not sound good to me. By the way, I pronounce NES as NES because I'm that kind of person. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have anything to say. I don't have any response for you on that one, Simon. I'm sorry that you do that. Number one, <laughs> Mario Kart Maker. Oh, there we go. This is probably... I, I've forgotten that he wrote that Mario Kart Maker. This is probably pretty self-explanatory, and my guess is that other people will pick this one too. It would basically Robert. be a track editor, but like Mario Maker, it would let you create tracks of different generations of the series. Probably... Okay, so this is where he and I differed. Probably Super Mario Kart, Super Mario Kart 64, and Mario Kart uh, 8. See, I don't think that would be, I think that would just be too much to try to, like, accommodate for in creating a game. But it would be cool if you could do it. Maybe Double Dash if they wanted to implement the two-character mechanics. There could also be some extra features like deciding which items are going to allow, or even setting specific items to specific item boxes. Like the item box that always gives you a blue shell. <laughs> it would be pretty much essential that they let you put several tracks together to make a cup, rather than having to play each track separately. The ability to put a series of levels together to make a world was annoyingly absent in Mario Maker, but it would be even worse to leave it out of Mario Kart. Another one I considered was Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. I think that would be a really good one. But that's not a classic game, so I guess I'll just leave that as an honorable mention. Uh, honestly, I think that's one of the one of the better ideas. 
Also, they would need to come up with a catchier title because Captain Toad Treasure Tracker Maker is not only a mouthful, it also makes no sense. Like, what does that even mean? It also sounds like an app name to me. (laughs) It does! Holy shit! (laughs) Finally, as a kind of tie-in between this top three and the previous one, I vote for the F-Zero X expansion kit on the N64 Classic Mini. This was an add-on to F-Zero X, only released for the 64DD, and so only released in Japan. It included extra tracks as well as a vehicle editor and track editor. I never heard of this. I liked, uh, or until I read this last last time, I liked Gaming Jay's idea of including a, an unreleased game on the N64 Classic, and I think this would be a great yeah, choice. Yeah, I think that'd be such a cool thing. Just one. Yeah. And one that's actually semi-likely. Using an F-Zero game as the bonus would also be kind of parallel to Star Fox 2, since both are series that Nintendo doesn't really seem to know what to do with anymore. So hey, they might as well stick to releasing classic content. And while I think it's pretty unlikely that Nintendo will add online support uh, for, these, for, the, for these classic consoles... <laughs> That's too true. Yeah, having some way to, to share creative tracks would make this a sure top seller. I mean, as if that wasn't guaranteed already. I was going to say, it, like, if they did Mario Kart... Oh my god, that, that would be... <laughs> yeah, who knows. As much as I miss the old three-hour podcasts, I'd better leave it there because I imagine you'll get quite a few listener suggestions for this topic. Really looking forward to hearing what other people come up with. Keep up the good work, Simon. Yeah, I was actually very excited to hear what people came up with this one because I struggled a little bit early on, and then once I started getting some ideas together, I started to kind of roll with it. Uh-huh. It was like Snowball, and uh, yeah, I was, I was really curious to see what people thought. Yeah, I think the, the, we've gotten good suggestions on this one. All right, Jay, I'm going to give you this one. Oh, Roberto. Why? I thought we were friends. Copy. Paste. Why does the fucking paste button work? Oh, it's a sign. You have to read it. There we go. This one's from Samuel. All right. Look here. All right. He says... Uh, Okay. He says, apparently I missed the tweet you sent out saying you were recording an episode early. Oh, well. Uh, since Robert asked, here's my quick rundown of the new 2DSXL. The game library is, library is pretty stellar. It's been really difficult not splurging and buying like 10 games at a time. Give me that RPGs, he says in parentheses. Uh, I've been going a little crazy with the virtual console games, but I never owned a ton of Game Boy games. And I figured since they're around 4 to $5 a piece, it would be worth it for me to pick a few up. Donkey Kong 94 for $4? What a deal. Also, I can finally say that I own Earthbound. It's kind of the biggest reason why I bought the system. As far as the button scratching, the top screen, I haven't noticed any damage yet. The top screen has a slightly raised edge around it, so the whole thing is raised up and isn't laying flat against the bottom screen. So I don't think there'll be any screen damage from button scraping against it. My big complaint about it is the top screen feels really loose, uh, loosely connected to the bottom screen. Unless you're sitting perfectly still while playing the game, the top screen will just kind of wobble around even when it's supposed to be locked in place. feels really cheap to me. Oddly enough, one of the older ones that I had, I think it was one of the XPs. Um, it was like a, a square. This is you Maybe talking? Like, yeah, yeah. It was like, I don't know, like three inches by three inches. Uh-huh. Uh, it had the same issue. Like, you would open it. It, it was wobbly? It folded together. Yeah, so after a while, the screen had two positions. It was either upright, and it kind of like did this locking mechanism. It was pretty good. But then it had like a further setting that was further back. And it, it, as you would alternate or open and close it, it got weaker and weaker to a point where it didn't even work. Like, it would just randomly shut on my fingers. It just really? got so Damn. bad. It yeah. would like shut all the way from using it? Yeah, it, it would like close because it was just so weak. So if I moved around at all, it would just close. Oh, that sucks. Lot. Yeah, I think I'm probably going to stick to the 3DS then. Pro- uh, yeah, the 3DS probably. Just so I... Uh, yeah. um, also, like the... They're co- 
they're coming out with a Metroid themed one that looks pretty sick. Oh yeah, I think I remember talking about this. Yeah, I think I mentioned it last time. Uh, he says, overall, though, I really like the system. Lots of good games. Reasonable price tag. Actually comes with a charger, unlike most of the 3DS models. Is that a thing, really? Yeah, they didn't. I think it was under the 3DS. Uh, X, the new 3DS XL, they like did not. Re- like, they didn't give you any way to charge the battery with it. You have to buy it separately. <laughs> That's ridiculous. It's pretty stupid, yeah. He says, just be sure to have a large micro SD card if you're planning to download games instead of buying physical copies. Because Nintendo only gives you a 4 gigabyte card. It's 2017, Nintendo. Four gigabyte fits like two of your own games. Yeah, come on, Nintendo. Really? <laughs> on to my question, since I missed out on the top fives, are there any companies out there that are forever retro to you? As an example to me, Nintendo will always be a retro game company, even though they're still making new games 30 plus years after their initial rise to fame. It probably has a lot to do with my growing up with an NES and a Game Boy, but to me, no matter how long Nintendo will be around, they will always remain a classic slash retro video game company to me. You want to go first? Yeah, I think probably my, my answer, and I think probably the answer that a lot of people would have would be Atari. Hmm. Um, I mean, Atari still exists, even though it's not even like nothing about Atari is the same company from like what Atari started off as. It's different sure. people, different owners, different like they're not even who what is Atari even making now? They, they like make T-shirts and shit. Yeah, but, that's uh, true. But like. Just the name Atari, like that's one that I, to his question, I can't separate that from like it being a classic, you know, gaming thing. That's a great answer, actually. Uh, for me, Nintendo is definitely one of those companies, and then I would say Sega is the other one. Um, I know Sega made a, a later oh, system yeah, that's good. of the Dreamcast, but to me, they are always known for the Sega Genesis and will always remain retro because of games like Sonic and uh, what's it called? <sighs> can't think of the name of the game. I don't know where you're. Uh... Dang it. Well, it's another really popular Sega title. But yeah, for me, Sega falls in that category. To me, they will always remain retro, even though they made the Dreamcast and you know that had some pretty interesting aspects to it. Uh, I always look at Sega for the Genesis and the Sonic games, I would say. Cool. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's Vector a good one. Sega, Sega for sure. Oh, Vector Man? Okay. Yeah. Uh, he then says, again, sorry for missing the last episode. That's what happens when your work schedule is totally different from the norm. And also when you're hideously hideously sleep deprived thanks always for the great show samuel samuel thank you for the email much appreciated yes thank you all right and last one from wait no i think that was the last one actually what oh yeah that was, <laughs> i had another email but it was like a follow-up like quick ah, gotcha. from when jonathan was getting like our addresses to email, to send us the stuff okay awesome so thank you as always to everybody who wrote in keep in mind that the next uh, top three that we're doing, as we said, is going to be uh, games that combine two genres that you didn't think would go together, but actually work pretty well. Mail us whatever you feel like saying at mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. Uh, I don't know if I really have anything for current gaming. Do we want to do current gaming subcast? I don't know yeah, if I have much. What you got? Okay, what you got? Uh, well, so, <laughs> sorry if you had something. Um, so... Uh. Honestly, I haven't been playing anything new, really. I've been, I talked about playing a lot of RTSs, played some Brood War, played some StarCraft II, played some Age of Empires, been playing Warcraft 3 still, still playing Warcraft 3. It's, every time I play this game, I'm just still impressed with how good it is. It just, <laughs> it just, it's just incredible. Uh, played some more Warhammer. I think I'm going to stop with Warhammer. I got a little bored on certain parts of it, and the story doesn't really keep me enticed. Okay. Um, so I'm playing a lot of RTSs, and I started playing Heroes of the Storm again. Uh, cause some of my other oh, friends got into it. 
Yeah, it's it's such an easy game to just jump on, and even if you haven't played in a while, you can just go in and you know solo queue trash, just have fun, and you know it, it's just one of those games. that's really easy to play with people who are different calibers of skill, which is kind of the nice thing. Because you know some people you play games with aren't necessarily tryhards, so it's a g- easy game where I can carry. Or ultimately, if I suck, because you know there's different uh, MMRs, obviously, um, you know it's a good variance in, in skill and stuff. So nice. Uh, I guess the only one I, I'll talk about one real quick. And I think I've said this when we recorded this originally was uh, I just finished or the, a couple weeks ago, I finished uh, Gemini Ryu, <laughs> which is a point and click adventure game. It's a newish or I think it came out like maybe six or seven years ago, but it's a fairly new point and click adventure game. And it's made by a company, uh, a developer called Wadget or why it's I think it's pronounced. It looks like Wadget Eye, but I think it's pronounced Wadget Eye games. And they make a lot of they make th- th- this is like what they make. They make point and click adventure games that look like classic point and click adventure games. So like the uh like the graphics and all look like the old style graphics. It's not like a lot of games where they're kind of doing like uh, like modern takes on retro themed graphics, you know what I'm yeah, talking about? Or it's like absolutely. it's like it actually looks like old graphics. So interesting. It, so it, and it's a, it was a good game too. It had a really good story or it had a, it had a I won't say really good story. It had a good story. And the gameplay was, like, good without being, like, ridiculously tough. I feel like the uh, the puzzles were all, like, pretty moderately challenging. So, like, it never really got frustrating. Uh, but at the same time, it was never, like... There weren't too many parts that were, like, blatantly easy uh, either. It, it was mostly, I guess, due to the graphics. It was... Uh, it did a really good job of kind of, like, bringing back the feel of classic point-and-click adventure games. So uh, if 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 you like those types of games, I would recommend Gemini Ru as well as the only other game of theirs that I've played uh, is called Resonance, and I, and it was pretty much the exact same thing. Resident uh, Resonance, I think I maybe liked a little bit better, but both of these are are really pretty good games. So uh, cool. Gemini Ru, I had fun with it. I think that wraps it up. Jay, thank you for recording this episode with me on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> Anytime. Not really, and, but one time. <laughs> and uh, you got anything? Oh, follow us at Class Gamescast. Leave us iTunes reviews, just like Jeffrey said. Yeah, exactly. And we will see you guys in one week this time. Sorry again yeah. for the late episode. <laughs> <laughs>